You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Coming of Cage, your Nicolas Cage movie discussion podcast. I am one of your two hosts, Derek, and I've got my co-host and partner in crime, Ryan. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing too. I'm doing too. For those who are new to the show, each episode we discuss a different Nicolas Cage movie based on our random wheel o cage where we spin to find out the film that we're talking about next. And the one that came up here is 2016's Dog Eat Dog which was uh, stars Nicolas Cage, of course, as well as Willem Dafoe and Christopher Matthew Cook. It's directed by Paul Schrader, who, if you've been following along with the show, also directed the movie we talked about in episode 10, Dying of the Light. And this is episode 16. So if you do not remember, Paul Schrader wrote screenplays for Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, and relevant here, The Last Temptation of Christ, which is the movie where Willem Dafoe starred as Jesus. So yeah, an interesting guy, director Paul Schrader, screenwriter Paul Schrader. He did not write this one, but he did direct this one. IMDb describes the movie as, quote, a crew of ex-cons are hired by a Cleveland mafioso to kidnap the baby of a rival mobster. Which doesn't happen until like 50 minutes into the movie. At least. But yeah. um man i don't this this is a this is a weird movie man i'm not gonna lie this is a weird movie but basically the way we normally do this is ryan takes notes and then we go through his notes which tend to be in chronological order of the film so ryan what's your first note for dog eat dog my first note is strong opening (laughs) like the whole scene well, or, I think when it opens, it's basically like Willem Dafoe's character like, doing drugs and having like a acid trip mm-hmm, mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. some kind in this random house that's already like even outside of the acid trip. It's weird. It's got like paintings everywhere and it's like there's pink and just a very weirdly designed house. The whole movie we will probably reference this quite a bit, but it felt like uh, like art students that were trying to prove themselves were the ones that designed everything in this movie from like sets to like wardrobe. It, it felt like it was yeah. trying people trying to be like edgy and like push the envelope and the whole time and didn't really have much substance beyond that. Well, and a lot of scenes used kind of a unique lens on the camera to create a warping effect on the edges when it would pan, you know, not uh, only that, but they also like shot a lot of the scenes in weird ways. Like when two mm-hmm. people were having conversations they would have like a, the whole screen be blank except for like the bottom left corner would have the person that's talking in it. <laughs> for, I, I, I'm not even making a joke. Like no, that is an actual shot for like five minutes of this movie. I know, man. It's so wild. So in that opening scene, like he gets a phone call and it's never really resolved what that phone call is Nothing about. in this movie is really resolved. We'll just start with that. I mean, we find Very out whose little. house it is. Yeah. Very little is resolved in this entire movie. But like, yeah, he has he he guts fish is the story that he tells this guy on the phone, and the guy doesn't believe him. Which, since we have no context for who this person on the phone is, 
I don't know why he doesn't believe him, but yeah, my second note was that phone is aggressive because as the phone is ringing, it's like slamming itself against the wall. Yeah, uh-huh. it's it's just and it's like an old style, like almost like a rotary phone. It's a very weird. Well, it's an old landline phone that has like the metal ringer bell built into it with the long, yeah. you know, spiral extension cord so you can walk around the house. Uh, this movie is in 2016, mind you. So an interesting choice. Uh, but man, that's, yeah, he's just coked out of his mind. It's seeming, I, I, you know, mostly coke. I'm sure there's some other stuff going on, but mostly coke. And, you know, he's getting phone calls for this like, teenage girl who's i'm a like not not his daughter but the daughter of the woman's who house whose house it is right it's like that's juxtaposed with whatever the hell he's doing and she's talking about like decorating cupcakes it was very weird and jarring that whole yeah. thing and as he's doing drugs that i put my next note is jesus painting because there's a random painting of jesus in the background while he's doing all this cocaine <laughs> and so I, somebody that guts fish See, it's funny. I didn't really think about it so much as a Jesus painting. It was more of just like, you know, a nod to the fact that he played Jesus once. Maybe it was, but it's just weird. Like, I just thought it was one of those things for trying to be edgy. Like, yeah. you know, he's going to be yeah. doing drugs in front of Jesus. Like, ooh, yeah. Yeah. That's and then fair. let's see. Drug montage is my next note, <laughs> which you could use to describe a bunch of scenes in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then drug reflection. I don't really know what that meant right so in the oh, mirror he's doing yeah 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 things yeah they're doing this warping effect in the mirror and you know there are moments where i thought to myself is it a warping effect or is that just his real face uh because defoe's got a very expression filled face he does express an expressive face yes yes that's why he gets hired yeah, um no. casual racism is my next note Dude, because he dropped the uh, n-word like in the first five minutes of the movie there's a lot of racism. It's it's not just using that him. word. It's also no. stereo a stereotype yeah. that he uses. Mm -hmm. But it's mostly coming from his character. Now the, uh, the other guys do it too, but nowhere near as much as right. Defoe's character does. And I guess maybe we should get their names. So Defoe plays a character named Mad Dog. That's the only name he the goes titular by. Titular character. Uh, Troy is Nicolas Cage, and Christopher Matthew Cook plays Diesel. Those are our big three right so um so then we get into casual murder from the casual racism where he says he's going to eat this woman's ass in a sexual way <laughs> and then some stuff happens and he murders her yeah so like i guess he's you know a deadbeat ex-boyfriend kind of situation he I was think. looking at porn on her computer yeah and she got really mad about that told him to leave and then he pulled the fish gutting knife from his ankle and slits her throat and stabs her like 30 times in the back and then her daughter comes downstairs sees what happens starts screaming goes upstairs and he goes and gets a gun mm -hmm. and which he referenced earlier where he has a suitcase of guns that was his only possession was his suitcase right. of guns and yeah he goes up and puts the pillow over and starts shooting her through the pillow mm -hmm. and then sits and does more cocaine on the bed while she's you know dead right next to him mm -hmm. yeah and then we get a three-day time jump. The only time we're told how much time has passed right. in the movie, which I guess we could have probably done without. The fact that it's been three days is not super relevant. And but... then we get the noir voiceover from Nick Cage on the black and white 
shot. Strip, the, the black and white strip club, because we're going to make the strip club look classy, I guess. In well, the strip club and nudity and sex acts and things like that are all throughout this movie, including uh, sexual assault and things like that. So, um, yeah, really great stuff. Sarcasm. Um, but, yeah, we get a few minutes of Nick Cage doing a voiceover about his I, I think he's going through at this point his character and why his relate what his relationship was to these other guys yeah it's a they huge exposition prison dog. yeah they all met through prison and mad dog saved him one time and diesel's the smart guy even though he's also the biggest guy right he's the everyone assumes he's the lunk you know he's the muscle but no he's he's, he's very bright in another world, I forget exactly what the phrasing is. Like in another world, he would have been like a doctor or some stupid yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, we learn that that they each got out at different times. And Nick Cage, Troy, is the last of the three to get out. So they're celebrating that you know he is now a free man, so to speak, by With bringing strip him to club. the strip club. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're at the strip club. Mad Dog says that he doesn't know who the fuck Taylor Swift is. Or something like that. I yeah. don't know. He mm-hmm. he references Taylor Swift. I just thought it was funny. And there is a callback to that later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we get a color shot of Nick Cage trying on his suit. Right. After jail. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest, he looked really good in that suit. That was a nice suit for him. Oh, yeah. It was, like a, it was like almost like a powder blue suit. Not what I expected because you, you've seen him in the suit, but in the only in the black and white. And then it shows right. the color and it's a very vibrant blue. <laughs> It was a good look for him. Yeah. Then we get the lap dance. The yeah, where I guess he thought his friends were buying him more more dance. than more than a lap dance. Well, yeah. Uh, because you know she says it's fifteen hundred, and I don't know a lot, but I do know that that is definitely more than a lap dance. So, um, well, it could be a really nice lap dance. I mean, like a ten-hour lap dance. I don't know, but. Either way, he thought his friends paid for it. They didn't pay for it, so he pays for it. Uh, that's that. Some t- somehow he has a bunch of money. Tons of money. He has so much. Like, yeah, they're just like flashing bills around. Even then we get the whole the- point of the movie is that they're broke. Yeah. And then we get this weird corner <laughs> shot that I referenced earlier where he's having a conversation with his guy that like sets up all his jobs and also gives him money. Right. Where they're like talking to each other, but for some reason the shot of the each character is like in the corner facing away from the person they're talking and you only see the one character at a time it's a very weird shot somebody trying something that didn't really work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um then we get to see this cop car well it's going to be cops. yeah it's not really a cop car no just, but they like they put, put stickers they put like duct tape on in the shape of the words and the, the nothing is spaced appropriately and they have like a, a stupid light on top that doesn't even look like a cop car light. Well, like it's all all of this is very like just it's it's weird. We we learn so much about the fact that these three guys like went to prison and they got out of prison and they're best buddies, but we don't really get great explanations for like what they're doing. Uh, because this guy, I can't, I'm looking out, I'm trying to figure out, find this guy's name, but this, this older dude, the, they call, they call him the, uh, what do they call him? It's like his fixer, basically. Yeah, but the, he's got like the a. guy they get to that gives him jobs. But the, he's got a name uh, in the movie. He's like the Greek or something like that. 
can't remember his freaking name, but either way, like, yeah, he's, he's, he knows everybody and he's best friends with everybody. So he has every possible illegal Greco, job. The, Greco, the Greek, Greco, the Greek. Thank you. Um, and so like, he's just what this like weird middleman guy who's just friends with everybody to sell jobs to each other. I don't, it was very weird. Yeah. But, and then he's going to pay Nick Cage and his buddies to just go get drugs and money do crime yeah right is, is all it is so they're just like you know guns for hire i guess and i feel like at this point i don't think i have a note about it because i didn't realize how important it was going to be later in the movie but throughout this movie nick cage's character consistently asks people and makes references to uh the fact that he looks like humphrey bogart yep yeah from he Ca- asks Casablanca. several several people there's several small references to it um and that becomes more relevant later in the movie i didn't think it would so i don't really have much in the way of notes on that but uh yeah so our first we get that look at the cop car and then we also see that there's three of them in this cop car Mm -hmm. one cop and cop in quotes in the back seat and then the two up front Mm -hmm. um and we get like this very tense scene where they go pick up a uh guy a dealer i guess and they're trying to get to his money stash mm-hmm. and they take him to multiple locations and like try and get him to show where the money is and they end up finding his drugs and it's like it's just an incredibly tense scene i would say that of the of all the scenes in the movie that was probably my favorite because it was so tense and you they actually did a really good job maintaining the intention in that in that scene it never felt comfortable that's fair. There was a lot going on. Like, so the, the way they get this guy is they pull him over. Well, they pull over his driver. It's it's two guys in a, in a car and he's in the passenger seat and he is a black man. And so, you know, there's a lot of references uh, from his perspective about, you know, cops kind of have a license to do whatever they want in these situations. So he's trying to play it cool. He's trying to cooperate because he thinks they're really cops, at least, you know, at first. Um, and so like, I thought that for for a little bit i was like oh okay maybe this movie's got some points to make you know maybe this is going to go somewhere right we're going to build off of this i was wrong but there was a bit of a bright spot during this part of the movie where i thought it was going to go in a different direction um but like once they take him to the house that's supposed to be like where the stash is there's like one guy guarding the house and i feel like it would have been easier for the three of them just to break into the house sometime it's also interesting because this is a they they have these houses he like either where they initially get the guy and then where they go for the stash house they're in what seem to be primarily black neighborhoods there's a lot of people outside gathering watching and things like that and at the second house they start like shooting into Mm -hmm. the house yeah um because they realize that they're not cops and it it gets tense from even more tense from there they end up getting away and no real anything happens but they do get a bunch of drugs. Yeah, they get a bunch of cocaine, no money. Uh, I guess maybe it's worth pointing out this whole movie takes place in Cleveland, Ohio, um, which they and not say once did they use the song from the Drew Carey show, which really <laughs> makes me disappointed. <laughs> well, they were focusing on the seedy underbelly of Cleveland, and that does not rock, sir. Fair enough. Um, so then we get this really weird. Uh, there's a lot of really weird scenes in this movie. But we get this really <laughs> weird drug party. With the three of them like hugging and fondling each other and like being oh, in the hotel room? naked, yeah, and yeah. doing just a ton of drugs. 
Um, and at this point, we, we basically learned that every woman wants Nick Cage in this world because they constantly are telling him how handsome he is. Well, so like, so for, so first off, did they go to Vegas for the night? It sure seemed like it, uh, or maybe Atlantic City or something. I don't really know, but it was, it sure seemed like a Vegas type. Okay, because that's what I thought was, too. Yeah, it was, was very just, ambiguous. Okay, just just checking. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like he's like. There's this they're all trying to get laid. They're all they're all trying to get laid and they're all really bad at it. Yes. In completely different ways, but they're all really bad at it. Yes. Right. So like Nick Cage's character, like, I guess likes this chick. And so I don't know if they've met before or he's hired her before. I, I don't really know, but it seems like like he bought her some special gemstone thing. Like, why would he have done that if he had just met her that night? It's right. It's very weird, but she clearly is not interested. Like he wants, where did he want to take her to France? I think something like that. Yeah. He kept naming this place. I don't really know, but yeah, he wanted to take her to France and she's not paying any attention. She she's just, clearly not like a uh, really high class like her clothes very much reminded me of like 80s movies where you see like a hooker in the 80s mm-hmm. movies and they're wearing like the specific type of tight dress like it was not a very modern like high high class sex worker it, it didn't appear they were trying to make it seem like she's not like you know it, it was a little weird usually when you're going to see somebody like offering to fly someone to France and like buying gems and stuff it's you think this is going to be like a really expensive uh sex worker that they just fell in love with or something and in this case it didn't really get that vibe well maybe it works for him the other way around because he figures she could use the money but it turns out she's not interested really at all not at all she just she wants to give him fifteen hundred dollars for a blowjob no or she an, wants it was, him it was an extra 300 oh was it 300 yeah, i don't the, know yeah, the 1500 like was at the strip oh yeah, yeah 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 it was an extra 300 and she like she is just not interested in what he's putting down and so that but she's really interested in how good she is at this blowjob oh yeah she thinks she's 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 amazing apparently and then we get to see willem dafoe getting a hand job a very weird clinical hand job like it's not like sexy at all it's like a woman that looks like she's wearing like nurse scrubs i felt like maybe it was a she was a masseuse and this was like a happy ending kind of thing but we don't like, see anything except the hand job. Well, there is a moment. So when Nick Cage comes back into the room, the, the way the camera turns, which again, like is very awkward, you can see into that room and she is like bouncing on his back. So like okay. she's mostly clothed and she's like bouncing on his back. And I don't know if that's, I don't know what that was, but that was what that, that was happening first. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah, it was apparently a massage situation, but she's the whole time commenting about how long it's taking, and it's just incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable for everybody involved. And then she um, gets on her phone. She yeah, gets... <laughs> and she starts browsing her phone while she's doing it, and he's and he like gets, tells her to get off of him, and blah blah blah. And yeah, he, he freaks he out. Assumedly, has blue balls after that, and uh, you know he seems like he's on the verge of killing people the entire movie. So, you know. That might oh, maybe yeah. that would have helped. Maybe that would have helped with that. I don't know. He but is, I, yeah, he's definitely on edge the entire time everything's happening. And my next note is weird ass crew doesn't know how to talk to women. Well, right. So then you got Diesel. So Diesel meets this chick at the bar. He does pretty well, kind of. For a little while, but he's he's just kind of an asshole, though. I'm not really sure why she's interested in him to begin with. Like 
He's insulting the bartender, even though the bartender, he, he openly says, is following policy. So the yeah. bartender is an asshole, but he's just doing his job. So then he's not doing anything wrong, but he's a jerk. But, and then she just follows him up to his room and they're just having these conversations and he doesn't like all the questions she's asking. And so he just completely loses his mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, he's a, throughout the movie, they make it a point to show that he seems like he's like the calmest member of the crew and just generally thinks about things. Um, But in this moment, he does not do any of that. And it's very out of character from what we've seen Mm -hmm. to this point. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they all, none of them really are successful with the women and they all meet up the next morning, kind of hung over from, you know, the drug party the night before. A really depressing breakfast. Yes. And (laughs) Willem Dafoe's character, who in this whole movie is just really weird, has bare feet and he's like rubbing it all over the carpet. And he makes a comment that I wrote down because it was a really weird comment. Okay. I didn't write it down word for word, but he comments about how if you got to put your feet down on the floor in prison, it felt sticky like boogers and jizz all over the floor. Yep. That the carpet felt like a shaved pussy. Yep. Those were things he said. Those are absolutely things he said. (laughs) Yeah. And so my next note is this script feels like it was written by a teenage boy. It's rough, man. It is. It is really rough. Now, look, neither of us, to my knowledge, have ever been to prison. Certainly not for multiple years. So, you know, I'm sure there is something to the cold, hard, you know, uh, isolated aspects to prison where it's just stone and metal. I, I truly believe that that is a big thing for people. But yeah, just the way the line is boogers and jizz. Like I feel like people are responsible for cleaning their own cells in jail. So if it feels like there's boogers and jizz on the floor, then you probably aren't doing a very good job. And and what's wild is like this this whole movie, for those who don't know, is based on a novel. So like I I've never read it. Okay. So I don't know how much of this is like in the novel. Right. Like what is, you know, is this like word for word dialogue? Because the guy who did the screenplay, uh, Matthew Wilder, like he, he's only done two other movies. Um, and so like this, I don't I don't really know, you know, how one to one this is with the book. But if that's the way the book is written, I mean, I just it's very clunky and weird. And Defoe's already like, he's kind of a strange guy, right? I think we can admit that he's kind of a strange guy. So when he's the one delivering these lines, it's just that much more unsettling. And maybe that's, maybe that's the whole point, right? Maybe everything in here is just to feel unsettling. And it just made it seem like it was trying to be edgy the whole time to me. And I didn't really ever feel unsettling. It mostly just felt like somebody trying too hard. Fair enough. Um, so next I have kidnapping kids for my notes. So I assume that at this point we're getting into the main plot line of the movie where they're supposed to be kidnapping this kid that from a dad that owes money to this other guy, million, like a few million dollars or something. Yeah. And they're going to pay the crew $500,000 plus a $250,000 bonus for plus kidnapping half of the kid. money if they get it. Plus so. Half- yeah some percentage of the money i couldn't remember if it was half or like 20 percent or what so potentially these guys could take home almost three million dollars if they do this correctly right so at this point we we learn a couple of different things we learn that all three guys have two strikes and that they refuse to go back 
into prison, but that they don't have any money. Now we're watching them blow tons of money. Well, right? they're blowing tons of drugs. Like they they get all the drugs from that person, you know, and then they're using all those drugs, but they we don't necessarily need to see them spending money after that. We hear about well, like the yeah, gem like, bracelet or whatever. Well, that's the thing. Like, right, he buys that the, the gems, they go to this hotel casino place they're getting hookers well but right? they may he just paid, be trading drugs for all this I mean, maybe he did pay fifteen hundred dollars to be with that first stripper early on in the movie well we definitely see money in that scene right yeah. like so like they, they they're seemingly spending it but may, maybe yeah maybe they're just trading stolen drugs i don't really know but yeah basically the idea here is like well this is this is their one last score Right. And they make they all get together to have a conversation about whether they want to do this or not. And they decide that they're going to do it samurai style, and which apparently means that they either succeed or they all die doing it. Um, and when they say samurai style, Mad Dog goes, look, Jackie Chan. Jesus Christ. <laughs> for some reason, that just cracked me the fuck up. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so funny. Didn't um, tell, like. Is that a is that line just plain dumb or is it also racist? Because it feels I think racist. it's a little of both, but I don't really know what the intention <laughs> was. It was just so out of left field for me that it I laughed. Uh so yeah. But like they they agree that that they're all gonna go down fighting, but they don't really say how. Like, are they gonna off themselves? Are they gonna off each other? Like, what is the 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 plan if they get caught? They never yeah. actually say it. Yeah, they're just going to kill each other, I guess. I, or it's, 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 yeah, it's unknown. Um, so then they roll up on the house where the baby is at or the kid, whatever. Well, no, but before that, though, before that happens, we get cut to a car and there's this older guy in a car having a phone conversation. We get no explanation for who this guy is. You can probably make an educated guess, but it's just a guess. You have no idea who he's talking to or what the hell he's talking about. And then he goes into this house and he sits down at, at a, at a sofa. And the next thing we know are three. That's actually crew. after the scene when they pull up to the house. Cause I have that as my next note is random guy with gun scene. Well, but the car scenes before they pull up to the house. Well, I, I don't know. It might know it doesn't really matter, but in but, my notes, I have yeah. the car scene before that. So okay. Okay. Uh, in any case, that I thought the house that they pulled up to looked a lot like the house from Inconceivable. Um, oh, you think so? Just me. I don't know if it's the same house, but it definitely looked similar to me. I didn't get that vibe. Not the interior, but the outside did. I don't really anyway. quite remember. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then we get the random guy with the gun scene that Derek was describing. Um, and so, yeah, they break into the house. And there's what they think is a uh, a guard at the house, um, but they manage to sneak past the guard and get upstairs to get to the baby and the caretaker for the baby, and, who's asleep next to the crib. And as they go to take the baby, the the guard guy opens the door and starts yelling at him, and Mad Dog immediately just blasts his fucking head off like completely in the like sci-fi movie mm-hmm. two pe- like his head splits into two pieces and it's just showers blood everywhere um, that's that's where he heals himself back together and the movie takes a hard turn right into sci-fi <laughs> no i wish um but yeah so we get the they kill this guy and the baby starts crying 
And my least favorite line in the movie, this is the most edgy and try-hard line, in my opinion, in the whole movie. Uh, Nick Cage's character asks what you put in the baby's mouth. Oh, God. uh, What you put in the baby's mouth to stop him from crying. And Mad Dog says, my dick, or something along those lines. A dick, yeah. A dick. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a really terrible line. It's not funny. Like, this this is a movie where if we weren't going to be talking about it on a podcast, I would not have finished it, which for me is a rare thing. I could Except probably that count... since we started this podcast, it's been a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I like, think that's the third or fourth time you've said that since is it? we started. Yeah. God damn, man. Maybe it is, but th- that this is probably the most like offensive movie we've watched. So, yeah, I think that, 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 and I'm going to say this, I'm, I'm saying something very brave uh, to put this on the internet, <laughs> that this movie had a lot of similarities to Mandy. Interesting. Um, in the sense that, like, a lot of it, you don't know if it's actually happening or it's so, and it's very stylized and things like that. But I think where this movie failed on trying to be edgy, that Mandy succeeded uh, because it leaned into its absurdity. And this movie tries to just make like edgy jokes and and not lean into it is its absurdity as much i don't know maybe it's just me but i felt like there's a lot of similarities and this was like a poorly uh done version of what they were trying what they actually did in mandy that's interesting i never really thought about it that way there's certainly some cinematic cinematography type things that they have in common that's definitely a fair point to make um this one is just, it's trying to be grounded, right? It's yeah. trying to be real. Maybe and that's what it was, that know? Mandy, like, was absurd, and mm-hmm. it leaned into that, and so it could take it really far, whereas this movie is absurd, but it's trying to be more real, and it just doesn't work. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. So then we get a really weird scene and I don't, I hate it when we get, <laughs> I hate it when we get scenes like this with Nick Cage because, you know, I love Nick Cage and when he has to do these scenes, I do not like it, but he ends up, they ends up, end up like telling this woman, they end up packing up the body of the guy mm-hmm. in one of the cars and telling this woman that, uh, that she they give her a phone and keep the baby with her and tell her that she better not leave and that they're going to call her with the combination to the lock and that there's guards all around. So if she tries to leave then they're going to kill her or whatever. And then on the way out, Nick Cage, like just force forces himself onto this woman with a kiss. Mm -hmm. And it's very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And see really the only time we see his character do this in the whole movie. So it's, it's kind of out of left field altogether. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit in with anything else we've seen in the movie at all, other than like, I guess everybody's just an asshole, right? And this is another example of Nick Cage playing an asshole character who seems like the hero because everybody else is just worse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Cause like, there's like, even before they actually leave the mansion, he sh- there's another woman who shows up. Um that he kills oh yeah he just straight out kills her because she's worried about what's happening in the house and it's like it's unclear like is that the baby's mom is this a different person like it's just that whole family structure is left nebulous and confusing the whole time also after the scene they literally never address what happened to this woman and their baby never baby that they lock up 
Um, so yeah, that's a fun unresolved thing. My, my um, hope is that the Greek guy handles it because he said he was gonna take care of it, but we never see him never again. Hear. So yeah. uh so then we get some more casual racism, um, more like, N-word drops. Like from, you do, I think Mad Dog. Um so then Mad Dog and the uh, Diesel, was that his name? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are they're gonna go and take care of the body? Uh, Mad Dog says that he's got a place for the body. And so on their way out, Mad Dog's like, I just gotta, I just gotta stop and take care of something real quick. Let me just stop. And Diesel's like, No, this body stinks. We gotta go get it taken care of. And he's like, just stop five minutes. And so they go and walk through this whole strip club. Again, this is at least the third time we've yeah. been in this strip. Club. Walks to the back room, does a bunch of coke, has a character building moment with Diesel, and then walks out and they go and dump the body. It's just a really weird scene all around. But this whole car ride, Mad Dog is basically like trying to be, he says he knows that Diesel doesn't like him and he just wants nothing more than Diesel to think of him as a friend like like diesel does with uh nick Cage's character troy yeah, yeah. well because mad dog is an extremely pathetic character that's what we really get from the movie as a whole this is a pathetic human being and so he doesn't feel think highly of himself he does horrible things he knowingly does horrible things and he's like trying to admit to diesel basically the opening scene of the movie yeah where they where he kills the woman and her daughter but it takes like 10 minutes of screen time for this story to come out i was really like i, I just needed them to move on to another part of the i will story. say that one thing about this movie is that it was short so thank god for that because it's runtime is short it did not feel short no but I, but i was happy when i looked at the clock and it was only an hour and a half later from after i started when it was <laughs> over because some of these movies are so long and boring and you know that anyway that's the best part of this movie is that it was only an hour and a half well it wasn't helped by the tubi ads that i had to watch so yeah that's fair yeah um but that's not part of this movie that's part of the tubi that's which true we've, we've definitely vented about before um so then they're moving they're, they're basically they find out or diesel finds out that they he wants to take this these this guy's body to the place where Mad Dog dumped the woman and her daughter's bodies who've been there at this point, presumably for several days, uh, maybe a week, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they take it's the like bodies. like an abandoned in. military base of some kind. Yeah, yeah, something like that, um, that they just don't go to anymore. And uh, so they start moving this body. It's weird because the woman that Mad Dog killed before was not like a small woman. Um, and presumably he was able to take that body up these stairs and everything by himself. Whereas yeah, they're both really struggling with this one guy. I don't believe it for a moment unless he like chopped her up. Which he didn't because you see that like she's a solid piece when he gets That's up That's what there. I thought, but I don't see how else he could have done it. Yeah. Anyway, they're really struggling to get this guy's body up there. And during this, Mad Dog is trying to have like a heart to heart with Diesel about how... <laughs> Um, he wants him to list like to, after this, have them sit down for a little while, and he wants Diesel to list five character flaws about him, right? And that he can work on. That he can work on, <laughs> right. and they get the body up the stairs, and then oh, immediately it's too much weight for this this platform, and they fall through the 
uh, stairs or fall through the floor. And Mad Dog is still talking about these five character flaws as if nothing happened. And at this point, Diesel's like, no, I'm done. And he pops Mad Dog, blows his head off and leaves. And we see like the rotting corpse of the woman and the daughter briefly it's just yeah it's a rough scene they're like slipping in her blood and like guts and mm-hmm. rotten stuff it's real it's wonderful then we get a flashback to presumably the drug party again except this time they all have a bunch of like ketchup and mustard bottles and they're just shooting it all over themselves and each yeah. other yeah this is troy's character this is troy reminiscing because he just learned that mad dog is dead right but for some reason, we're seeing them in some sort of condiment orgy now. Um, I expected music. You're like, I will remember you. Yeah, but we didn't get that. It would have been um, better. It was very weird. So, yeah. So then they meet at the supermarket, uh, Diesel and Troy. And we, this is where we get our Taylor Swift callback. Diesel's looking at a right. magazine and it has Taylor Swift on the cover. So I'm sorry. Taylor Swift that you had to be referenced in this movie twice you're yeah you've been besmirched by whatever this terrible crap is but um so then while Diesel's walking around doing groceries Troy is waiting in the car and uh Diesel is looking at meats at the at their deli or whatever and while he's leaned forward he has a very shiny chrome gun sticking out of the back of his pants and so presumably some employee there sees it and calls the police and uh that was actually the most believable part of the movie because having worked in retail and have seen managers react to people that where we're at open carrying a gun is totally legal and concealed carrying a gun is i believe legal as well whether you have a license or not uh and i've seen managers call the police for just somebody carrying a gun whether you agree with that as a, a good thing or a bad thing it is a legal thing but well, and in to, this and case, to the police's credit that's the answer that they gave yes. the manager but, but still they go and try and stop the guy they do and uh, continue to investigate yes and so one of the cops goes inside and then the other one says that she's going to run the plates and so instead of running the plates she drives up very obviously behind Troy's car and gets out of the car and asks him for his ID. Uh, And so then we get Nick Cage punching women again, which is in slow motion for some reason. Slow motion. Yeah. Because you have to see this in slow motion and the slow motion isn't even believable. So that makes it even worse. So to that point, there was a moment when it happened where I thought that it was in his head. Well, there's several points towards the end of this movie where you're not really sure if things are happening or what's right? happening. Um, I didn't ever really think that that particularly was in his head, but it could have been. I think I can see how you would think that. Um, but Just yeah, so he moment, starts you know. beating the crap out of this woman in slow motion. Um, and then it, it, he, he, I, don't, I can't remember does he shoot the cop or does the other no. person shoot the cop no, diesel? diesel does because diesel comes out basically uh diesel comes out at this point and you know sees the two cops fighting over troy and then he shoots at the woman and gets her like right in like 
kind of like the upper chest shoulder area clavicle area but kills Um, her no no she doesn't die i thought it said she died in the hospital over the news when they're i thought it said she lives i thought it said she lives but either way they shoot a cop of course that scene is questionable anyway (laughs) yeah that's true and then uh so then diesel the other cop goes and starts beating the crap out of nick cage's character Mm -hmm. and diesel steals the cop's car because they get back up yeah so he they steals get back this up. cruiser that this like suv that pulls up yes and you think he's gonna run away but instead he gets in the samurai mode and comes back and like starts trying to pull the police off into a chase and he tries to kill himself by flying at a hill or a wall or something in the cop car and i think he kills himself we it's, we it's ambiguous yeah it's just i think we're supposed to assume he's dead yeah so then we get the scene where the two of the cops are taking troy to be the police station or whatever but they stop in a parking lot somewhere and this is where things start to get weird um they just start beating the shit out of him punching mm-hmm. him kicking him whatever and then they handcuff his wrist to the cop car mm-hmm. and start driving around mm-hmm. okay and this is the last we see of troy for a moment the next scene when we see him he is not at all attached to a cop car he's just walking around except now he has like a little bit of swelling on his face and like his back is burned up as if he was drugging around by the cop car well because we, we get introduced to the diner yeah oh yeah yeah right and we, we get it's another like black and white shot that moves into color it's like the 55th street diner or something like that yeah. and it looks very out of place and on the tv it shows that there was a cop that i thought it said that she passed away i was I, shot by these people either way it doesn't either matter way. we don't need to debate yeah. it yeah but um yeah they so the, it shows these two people dining there this older couple older couple walking out and uh getting in the car talking about how good it was and then we see nick cage's character just kind of troy just pop up in the back seat and point a gun at him and they have this back and forth but at this point we realize that now for some reason he talks like humphrey bogart yep like not just (laughs) like he got hurt and has a lisp or like a weird accent he is straight up like his whole manner of speaking, his, the words that he's mm-hmm. choosing to use. It's like a totally different character now. And uh, so we you don't really know if this is a dream sequence or like this is the last thing he's thinking about when he's dying or like what this is. Because again, last we saw him, he was chained to a cop car. Right. And we never saw him get away from that. We just saw him in this next scene now free. And uh eventually the people pull over he assures them that they're going to be fine as long as they listen to him and we find out that one of them is a reverend that that the man is a reverend Mm -hmm. and so he takes over driving and puts them in the back seat and when he gets in the driver's seat it's like clouds all around the car essentially you can't really see anything out of the windows right um but then uh there's some police sirens and he gets pulled over and so he gets out of the car (laughs) and looks at them and these cops have guns drawn on him multiple cop cars and then the cops just start shooting 
the car. Just the car. With the people in it while Nick Cage is just standing there shooting at them. So Nick Cage is mowing down these cops one bullet at a time with this like revolver and the cops are just destroying this old couple. In the yeah, they must have gotten shot like 40 times. And it is pertinent to say that this couple was black. That's true. So and there's been casual racism thrown throughout the movie. And also, you know, in the real world, there's a lot of things happening with police violence towards uh, black people and things along those lines. I don't necessarily know that, that that's what this movie was doing commentary on, but there is a lot of violence against black people in this movie. Um, that's true. The The male cop, well, one of the male cops is, is black, um, who beats up on Nick Cage, the partner of the woman cop who gets shot. He's yeah. black. But yeah, I, I know that's the thing, right? Like, was it was the casting on purpose? Was it coincidental? Like, was it just a, a sheer accident because these people don't? I don't know. It's a it's a mess. Yeah, but literally this whole scene, this whole end, like last five or ten minutes of the movie, Nick Cage is doing this Humphrey Bogart impression. Mm-hmm. It's very distracting. And it's still fogged all the way around, but it's kind of lit up like kind of red or blue. because. And this is things. where the Mandy yeah. like parallels start to really like lay to, you know, come become obvious to me. I see that now big time. I didn't think about it in the moment, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I had a note in here that just says, what the fuck? I think that's when... <laughs> And honestly, I think I've had that same note for Every- at least half the movies that we reviewed. Oh my uh, the, God. But I think that was when like the cops started machine gunning the the couple in the back of the car for seemingly mm-hmm. no reason. I no have reason. no idea. Um, my next note says loaded his body into the cop car. Um, because I think after they shoot Nick Cage, which he does die at the end, which is also happens in a lot of these movies, a weird mm-hmm. number of these movies um they just kind of kill him and then they just throw his body in the back of the cop cars and mm-hmm. that's the end of the movie mm-hmm. it literally just says the end there's no explanation given um so yeah that was the movie that was the movie man he has died in the last five movies we've watched and throughout the whole run that we've done it's probably been at least half the movies that that's so crazy like mandy is open to interpretation yeah i think so you could rem- maybe you remove that one he doesn't die in moonstruck or the family man <laughs> like he dies in most of these movies it's, it's very cool. weird it's a very weird choice i don't know why you know this is not something i would have ever put together had we not done this podcast right i feel like we should start like keeping track of that though because I think it's a good idea because it'll be interesting at the end of this to go okay so we reviewed 120 nick cage movies and he's died at the end of 87 of those movies you know what i mean yeah like, well because we've done we've done 16 and he has died in one two three four nine at least nine of them possibly 10 depending on how you demanding. interpret man yeah so nine of 16 he has died in so right now our percentage is pretty high it's yeah. a, it's like a 60 percent <laughs> of the movies that we've done crazy crazy but yeah this movie not great it's if you're looking for like an artsy i don't really know what when i would ever recommend somebody watch this movie um but like i mean if you really liked mandy and you're like want to see nick cage in another weird artsy movie you could watch this one. You'll be disappointed. Uh, I'm just going to tell you. 
Yeah, is this I, this more of a Willem Dafoe showcase? I feel like he got to really chew the scenery in this one. It didn't really work for me because of the script, but he did a good job with what he was given. I mean, I would go out on a limb and say of the 16 movies we've watched, I would rather watch any of them over this. Really? Because See, I found this one to be at least a, more entertaining than uh, several, at the very least. I, mean, I would rather couple... watch this than the Outcast movie that we watched. I mean, there's there's some that are boring, right? Like Inconceivable definitely is pretty boring. Right. Uh, but like, at least Outcast has like, some cool fighting and Hayden Christensen and like Nick Cage snake hands. Like, <laughs> well, you and I, you and I may be farther apart on this than I thought we were. I don't know. I just, I don't like, I can find something redeemable in all of the other movies that we've watched. Yeah. I don't, I don't have anything nice to say about this movie at all. Fair enough. I mean, I feel like that the, the, they did a really good job, like maintaining the tension in a lot of the scenes and making me go, "Well, where's this scene going to end? You know, how's this going to end?" Is that Things because like that. is that because they held the tension well, or because it's such a chaotically handled movie that there's just no way to know what's going to happen next? Uh, yeah, either one. I think that's my problem. Is it's just it's just kind of bonkers, right? And nothing's like nothing's resolved. We don't know what happened to the baby and the nanny at all we don't oh i guess we didn't really talk about that so the guy that they killed and blew the head off of was the guy that uh owed the money yeah they were trying to ransom him yeah so instead of that then now they just killed the guy so now that's why they were like freaking out and because the guy who hired them his name is chepe is really really mad and really really upset and the greek's gonna try and calm him down so troy thinks that like they're gonna get like offed you know, by this by right. a combination of the Greek and the and Chepe. But again, never resolved. We don't know. Never resolved. Is. Well, because like the timing doesn't make any sense either, right? So Troy's talking to the Greek, and the Greek's like, all right, meet me tomorrow at 10 at the place by the bagel shop or whatever. And which then, is literally <laughs> what they said. <laughs> right. Is that by the donut shop or whatever? Uh it's by the bagel place. And yeah. and then the next day happens. Troy is with Diesel. They're going food shopping and he's still deciding whether he's going to meet with the Greek or not. So that never happens. We, we never see the Greek ever again. We never see Chepe ever again. We never see the baby ever again. We don't know what happens to any of these threads Yeah. at all. We assume that Diesel dies. We don't know for sure. We assume Nick Cage dies, but we don't know when he died. Yeah. <laughs> right? We're sure he's dead at the end. We just don't know if it happened yeah when it happened i mean our our, like if he had shown up in another scene would that have been that outrageous given the film he did show up in another scene i mean after he was presumably killed well that's what i'm saying so even after this this humphrey bogart scene that he has where they stuff him in in the trunk like what if they just cut to like a courtroom and he's sitting in the courtroom right with his hands and handcuffs like that could have been in the movie I would have rather the that I, I prefer this where it just <laughs> you know at least it seems like we see him die and in in a uh, fogged out smoky dreamland you know that's where the theory of maybe this is like the last thing he's thinking about as he's dying kind of came into play I don't really know why he'd be dreaming about a random couple at a diner and then like them getting massacred but 
I don't know. Even even the first the, the guy that they're trying to get the stash from, that's not even resolved because they never got the stash. They just stole some of the drugs. They never get the money. That's true. So that's not resolved either. That's true. Right. So like literally nothing is resolved in this movie. And I think like that's why it feels like there's tension because there's just zero answers. They just keep bouncing around to a new thing. Yeah. It's a very weird movie. We need to rate it. We can okay. just go on and on about how weird right. it is for a long All right. time. So, so the way we do this, for those who don't know, we have our cage-o-meter where we rate our movies based on quality and caginess, zero to 20, zero being low, 20 being high. And we did a 20-point scale because this dude's in over 100 films and we wanted to at least try to have room for all of them. So, Ryan, from a quality standpoint, where would you put dog eat dog? I mean, low. <laughs> um, probably like a four. Okay. Okay. Because I did think that, like, you know, there were scenes where the tension was high, and you know, it, I would, I would rather watch it than some of the other movies, only because at least I wasn't falling asleep during this movie, that's, which isn't the highest fair. of compliments, but that's fair you know so this is hard for me because i'm regretting how you literally I, say that every week I, so come on i'm regretting how i scored zondali because i feel like i was unfair to zondali because i'd rather watch zondali than this and so i i want to like retroactively increase my score for zondali i can't do that but because of that i feel like i'm forced to give this the same grade because there isn't a lower score which is a one I feel like if you had just watched uh, Zondelay or Zondeli or whatever uh, and had to recap this movie, you would be thinking that you were being unfair to this movie because like they're, neither of them were good. You don't, I don't obviously don't remember the podcast where we were talking about how much you hated that movie. Oh, no, no, no. Zondeli is a bad movie. It is a bad movie, but I wish I had given it like a two or a three. So there'd be a little bit of a, of a floor here. I feel like sure. I just picked the floor too soon. And Zondali is not the floor for me. It's, it's near it. It's definitely there. So are you going to give this one a zero? No, I'm giving it a one. Okay. I'm giving it a one. So that's, that's the, so a two and a half is the overall score for dog eat dog. Um, so there's that. So now for, um, caginess so this i guess i'll score first on this one there's really not much to go off of here other than the humphrey bogart bit at the end he plays it fairly straight there is one little bit when he's meeting with the greek and chepe where he does a little something weird i can't even quite remember what it was now so it's not even that significant so there's not a lot of caginess happening so just kind of like looking at some previous scores I don't know, like a, the Humphrey Bogart thing at the end was is worth a little bit to me. I feel like so I, that's why I was thinking like maybe like a four. I think I'm going to give it a four on caginess, right? Because yeah. like I think you're right, that does matter, but it's just like one scene tacked onto the end. And of the also, film. like that probably wasn't his decision. That was probably like written into the script. So is it really that cagey doing a Bogart impression? Exactly. So that's yeah, why I would like, do. I was going to give it a five. So. Okay, five. Okay. So four and a half then for caginess, two and a half for overall quality. That does put it pretty low. So from a caginess standpoint, uh, there are a couple movies that are less cagey. Rage, Joe, and The Cotton Club. 
But from a quality standpoint, really just Zondali sits below Dog Eat Dog. So Which, yeah, go. for me, Zondale had a lot more like sexual assault themes. I mean, that's fair. And so for me, that was a that was definitely a worse movie because of that. I, I am okay with violence and drug use, but the sexual assault themes are definitely a problem for me so that i stick with that i think that this was i would i would rather watch this that's fair that's fair i don't condone any of that either there i gave them both ones no it's so. all terrible and i'm not yeah. saying you condone <laughs> any of that it's just uh you know yeah now we do have to pick the movie that will be joining the wheel o cage to replace dog eat dog on the wheel and that movie is going to be stolen Stolen is the name of that movie. So to find out what movie we're going to talk about next on the show, go to comingofcage.com or follow us on social media to see our Wheel O Cage spin that'll come out a week after this episode, the following Monday. We alternate. Every other Monday is an episode. Every, every alternating Monday is a Wheel of Cage. So go find out what movie we'll be talking about next. If you've never seen the wheel before, you can go watch some previous spins if you would like. Ryan, is there anything else you would like to add about Dog Eat Dog? No, not, not anything. All right. Well, then that's going to be it for us. Thank you so much. Comingofcage.com. I'm Derek. That was Ryan. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>